0: Hi everybody, welcome to episode 38 of The Book Cougars, Two Middle-Aged Women on the Hunt for a Good Read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. Glad to be with you today, Chris. Hey. It's kind of a gray, wintry day here, but Chris and I both yeah. love winter. Love yeah. winter, yeah. So we're not sad. And the, the hawks have been very busy. And
1: I think I saw two bald eagles mating. They I'm, flashed past me as I was getting out of the car here.
0: So cool. I see them every once in a while, but I have not seen them today, but I've been seeing mostly the front of my computer today, so (laughs) it doesn't surprise me. So I have a quick little tidbit before we dig into our segments. Um, Chris and I were at RJ Julia's in Madison this week, and I was talking to Karen, who's one of the booksellers there. She used to own a kitchen store in Guilford. I really like her, and we love talking food, and she takes care of the cookbook section at RJ's, and so I was talking to her about my love of the new cookbook, suite by Yotam Adelenghi and Helen Go that I've talked about several times mm-hmm. now on the podcast. And she said, you know, there's a big recall on that cookbook. Wow, oh, on a book. I've never yeah. heard of that. I've never heard of it either. And apparently what happened is when they um, printed the U.S. version, I guess the U.K. version was the first to come out, and when they printed the U.S. version, there were a ton of conversion issues. Both on temperature and on actual portions, okay. you know, or I shouldn't say portions, measurements. Mm-hmm. So I went to a site that has a complete list of those conversion updates. And there's a document, so I will put that in the show notes for everybody. There also is a way for you to request a reprint, a, a copy of the reprint when it comes out. And I sent an email asking when that was going to be, and I haven't heard yet. So if I get an update on that, I'll let you guys know in a future episode. Interesting. But, wow. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that, there must have been a lot because I know from working as a bookseller, Every now and then you'd get a a stack of sheets about a book saying, please insert this between page 178 and 179. It's correcting some errors Mm -hmm. that were in the book. But I imagine if there are a lot throughout, they have to reprint the whole thing.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, when I looked at the list, I thought, oh, it'll probably just be a few things here and there. It was a long list. Wow. So, I, again, that will be in the show notes if okay, anybody who great. bought the book or, you know, just wants to see what yeah. kind of mistakes are we talking about. <laughs> you, you know, that's a great, that's a
1: very important update. Thank yeah, you for that. sure. And I was um, messing around the Internet, and I came across the Connecticut Library Consortium, I think it's what it's called, conference that's coming up, I believe, in May. And I was just kind of scrolling through the the different panels that they're going to have, and one that caught my eye was for librarians starting a cookbook book club at the library, which I guess is a new trend in libraries and, you know, combining obviously the books and cooking yeah, and getting a, you know, a different cross section of the community involved.
0: That seems so fun. There is one at the West Hartford library. They have a cookbook club and I have thought about going, if nothing else, I like to, they always have the book displayed, the current month cookbook displayed at the library and, I've never gotten to the club, but I think it'd be really fun. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Especially oh. for those people who like to talk about food and eat food and all that <laughs> stuff.
1: <laughs> <Diplio> adventure. <laughs>
0: yeah. So what are you currently reading, Chris? Well,
1: currently reading, I am, I'm going to be starting a book today. It is The Detonator by Vincent Zandry. Hmm. I haven't, I don't think I've read anything by him. He's a mystery thriller writer, and this is a forthcoming novel. It comes out. In February or March, I believe. So looking forward to that. The Detonator, it's about a guy who does explosives. You know, and I I had an uncle who, he retired from the Army. That's what he did in the Army was explosives. And then in northern Illinois, he worked at one of the quarries running their explosions. Which, I always thought it was
0: really interesting. So I thought, yeah, I'd love to read a book about Ooh, somebody doing look that? I forward to hearing about it. I have two audiobooks that I'm currently reading. One is called Getting Unstuck by Pema Chodron. I think mm-hmm. I mentioned this on a past episode. This is something that I like to listen to every year kind of around the first of the year because it's a real shot in the arm so when I finish it up I'll, I'll talk more about that cool. in the next episode and then the other is um, Labor Day by Joyce Maynard mm. I talked about her uh, several episodes ago I got to go see her at RJ's and she has a new memoir out but this is actually a, a work of fiction of hers, um, and I believe it was made into a movie. Okay. So maybe I'll get a chance to finish it and watch the movie before the next episode. Very cool. <laughs>
1: nice. Yeah. Well, I'm still reading the Selected Letters of Willa Cather. That's so much fun to read. Mm. And, and then I've I, I can't really say I'm reading it, but I picked up uh, Victor Frankel's man's search for meaning which I think I've mentioned too is one that I've reread here and there and I just kind of I've been flipping around looking at my little sticky notes and underlinings and things and one of the things that struck me again was that you know happiness pursuing happiness in and of itself doesn't lead to happiness happiness is a result Mm. of taking responsibility and
0: being in the world, and, and so, I don't know, I just, well, I love just a nice message. shot in the arm, like yeah. you said. Yeah, So sometimes, you know, it's funny, because I'm not a re-reader, I've said that many times, maybe I'm a re-listener, <laughs> maybe yeah. that's part of it, because it is kind of like, you know, for me, it's a chance to just have those ideas, you know, put back kind of at the forefront of my thought, mm-hmm. and so now, I guess it does make me realize that, Again, I don't know if I'd be interested in rereading fiction, but non fiction, like if if there's something that really speaks to you and some ideas yeah. that you feel like are helpful that we all can kind of forget as we progress through our days. Yeah, absolutely. You
1: know? yeah, yeah, I think we need that con- that, you know,
0: regular reminder. Yeah. And
1: mm-hmm. revisiting.
0: Yeah. Well, I love that. I look yeah. forward to you being even happier than you are on a daily <laughs> basis, Chris. <laughs> So next, just read. Yeah. Just read. I just just read a book that I loved, that a lot of people were talking about. I think, I'm pretty sure it came out last year. Maybe it even came out in 2016, called The Arrangement by Sarah Mm -hmm. Mm Dunn. And it's it's a novel, and it's based on the concept of a couple deciding that they, a married couple deciding that they're going to try a six-month period that they Name the arrangement to have an open marriage. So, this book might not be palatable for everybody because it's about infidelity, obviously, but it's like agreed upon infidelity, which Mm -hmm. is such an Mm -hmm. interesting notion. And I've heard several interviews with the author because obviously the question everyone wants to ask her because she is happily married with children you know is this something that you and your husband you know participate in mm-hmm. and her response to that is that no but the beginning of the book is takes place there's a dinner party where a couple announces that they have an open marriage and she said that in truth did happen that she was at a dinner and this Friends of theirs announced that they had an open marriage. And so, you know, she kind of just was so interested in that idea. Yeah. And then... So did everybody else look at their spouse like, right. uh, dude, no. <laughs> or is it you? Yeah. No,
1: just kidding. Uh, or not. Um, yeah, so... And by dude, I mean both men right, and women.
0: exactly. <laughs> y'all. Y'all. Oh, um, y'all. Um so she and her husband just kind of started talking about it and then they sat like they sat down and kind of sketched out like what would the rules be if we wanted to do this mm-hmm. and that's what happens in the book that this couple who has one of the storylines also is the couple has a, an autistic child and her her um picture of a couple raising autistic child was so well done. I mean, I have friends with autistic kids and I have a really dear friend who works with autistic children. And I thought, wow, she really did her research. And then when I was reading some interviews, she does have an autistic child. So that was the author, I should say, Mm -hmm. has an autistic child. So she, so it was very true to life. I felt like, but, um, but you know, it's interesting because they come up with this arrangement and then, you know, it's like, well, what, what is going to happen? And so the story is about, what happens over the course of the 6 months it is hilarious like laugh out loud hilarious yeah between the couple and then the cast of characters it's a it's a couple that left new york city for kind of the suburbs you know and ended up in a town you know with a cast of characters as a lot of towns have mm-hmm. and i just thought she did such amazing character development with this book and um cool. it was just a fun ride
1: yeah What were their professions, the characters, if I may ask? Do you remember?
0: The wife was a stay-at-home mother with their child, you know, this autistic child, and then the the husband had a very like he he did, what do you call it? Career placement, or is that what it's called? I can't remember the title, but it's like you know where you try to find solicit people for new jobs Okay, you know that has a much nicer name than that, i can't <laughs> think of what it is right now so he sat. you know the way he described his job is he sits in an office like you know picking up the phone calling somebody to try to get them inspired to apply for this other job because people hire them to fill positions you know yeah. and then he has to babysit them to make sure they show up to the interviews and you know all the this kind of stuff hunter, i think yeah, they, yeah. one of the terms yeah yeah and you know what's what's compelling about the book to me is, you know, we all end up at points in our lives where we're kind of almost like hanging on the ceiling above ourselves and looking at our life and thinking, you know, how did I get here? Yeah. You know, or what are the parts of my life that I enjoy and what are things I want to change? And that's kind of what they were trying to do with this arrangement was kind of like jumpstart themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, and I just thought it was really well done. And again, just laugh out loud, which, it, it, it's this is a good time of year to laugh. I mean, I like laughing <laughs> yeah. any time of year, but um, I just, I really enjoyed it. I, yeah. I highly recommend it. The Arrangement by Sarah Dunn.
1: I just read, I'm so happy to have read this, and I have to thank Kate, one of our listeners again, for sending it to me. It's Jane Harper's new book, Force of Nature. Jane Harper's the one who wrote The Dry, which was an international bestseller last year. Force of Nature is coming out next week. Oh, great. It's really good. It's very different in a lot of ways from The Dry, because for The Dry, for one, it was dealing with a drought condition in this small rural community. And in Force of Nature, it's a group of women who are backpacking in this cold, wet, foresty environment. Ooh, totally different. Yeah, totally different. Um, But still so much of nature involved. And in the whole, I love what she's done with the title force of nature and it just infused throughout the whole book all these different forces of nature like literal forces of nature but then metaphorical you know Mm -hmm. the idiom oh she's a force of nature can be used negatively and positively when it comes to human beings and i feel like jane harper does a great job of exploring that through these characters Hmm. So, oh,
0: that's
1: cool. Yeah, it's a cool mystery. Just to back up, so Aaron Falk is the investigator. So it's the Aaron Falk series. He he has a partner, a work partner in this book. And so at the beginning, just to give people a little bit of background about the book, he's they're in the midst of this investigation. And one of their, their marks is one of the women on this backpacking trip. Ooh. So she's off on this trip. No cell phones are allowed. Reception is scant anyway, So it's kind of going back and forth between what's going on with this backpacking trip and their investigation. So you don't have as much of Falk as in The Dry, but there's still some really good character development with him, and some of the issues that were presented in The Dry get a little bit resolved or get a little bit worked on because this new partner of his, Carmen Cooper, I think is her last name. She's not exactly a love interest, which is kind of a common... Trope, I guess, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, in a mystery series that there's this love interest, tension, push pull okay. kind of thing that's part of the the tension in a mystery novel. Sometimes um, she's not really that, but she's holding up a mirror to him so he can mm. kind of see himself. Oh. And so there's some really nice character growth there too. But I I love Jane Harper. I think she's a great mystery writer. She really. Writes women well, because uh, these five women who are on this backpacking trip. It's a work trip, so one of those um, weekend excursions designed to help coworkers bond and develop camaraderie and leadership skills and whatnot. So you have everything from like twenty-year-old newbie to the company up to the chair of the company who is fifty. And also the daughter of the founder of the company, so she's firmly embedded. And then in between, there's another 20-year-old, a 40-year-old, and then another woman who's like 50-ish. So it's really cool, because you can uh, just see the different ages and how they relate, and their positions and how they relate.
0: Do you know how old she is by
1: any chance? She's in her
0: late 30s,
1: early 40s, I think.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm so glad you liked it, because you know when you love an author's... Because uh, that was her debut, right? The dry? Yeah. The dry was, yeah. yeah. When yeah. you love it, and then, you know, there's a pressure on that author, too, mm-hmm. to have... Now, I wonder with a series like this, though, if she kind of had storylines in mind, you know, when you have something, you know, a character that's going to keep continuing with other stories, but yeah, I'm just glad you liked it, because I was afraid it was going to be one of those. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I felt that way about The Dry. I had a little, you know, by the time I finally picked it up, I thought, there's been so much buzz about this. Yeah. Um, but And I was so pleasantly surprised, as I've talked about it, and then with this one, I thought... Okay, we'll see. You know, yeah. that sophomore slump can <laughs> right. really hit an author right. hard. But yeah. I think it's it's a very different novel. It's not a page-turner in the same way as The Dry was. Like, with The Dry, I kept turning because I wanted to see what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I did, with this as well, I wanted to see what was going to happen, but I felt more, like, kind of propelled or carried along okay. with these women in the story. A different kind of page turner. And it was almost a little bit like a locked room mystery because they're in this forested area and, you know, they can't get out. They're lost. Mm. They're kind of stuck, like, in a a locked room mystery, which is, you know, Agatha Christie's famous for for doing those and other writers as well. So Mm. I think it's going to hit a lot of different buttons for people. The outdoor aspect is really cool. Women's... I wouldn't say women's fiction, but, you know... Women in the wilderness. I mean, and really, when you think about it, how many novels have you read where you have women in the wilderness together? True. There's yeah. not that many.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I can't think of any. I wrote
1: a review of the book, and I said it's um, kind of like The Lord of the Flies meets Lisa Scottolini in Nevada Bar. <laughs> because, <laughs> that's like, great. Lisa Scottolini, you know, she has that series of women, right. uh, the lawyers. So you have that group of kind of different women and then Nevada Bar, her mysteries were all about different national parks and yeah. being in the great outdoors and everything. So I'll stop talking now, but readers, check it out. Forest of Nature by Jane Harper. Sounds fantastic. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Good. Can't wait. Now I have to wait a whole friggin' year for her next book.
0: Yeah, that's the problem when you read the arc, especially, Ugh. right? Painful, yeah. I know.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, well... One has to wonder if she's got some of the writing done already. Do you know that mm-hmm. didn't make much sense? I know what you, but yeah, if she already was like three books in, kind of in her mind or something, and had done a bunch of writing. I don't, I don't know. know. I, you Dare know, she to took a
1: class on how to write a novel. Oh wow! And that's where the dry came from. Like it was a. A three-month course, and she had a really good draft by the end of the class. Wow. But, you know, then she filled it out. Oh, so the answer to what I just suspected is probably no, then. May Yeah, yeah. I'm not really yeah. sure. I'm not sure how long ago she started writing. I know there's hmm. interviews out there with her, but I was trying to avoid them right. while I was reading it and then
0: writing a review, yeah. so. Cool. Well, I finished Jane Steele by Lindsay Faye, which is the one I talked about where the blurb on the front says, Jane Eyre meets Dexter. Mm. And I never watched Dexter because I'm not a big fan of serial killer stuff. Yeah, you blood know? splatters and whatnot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm happy to report that this was not a blood and guts murder scene at all. It was more really fun because she killed people, all men, who deserved it. <laughs> Which I guess is what Dexter's about, but again, I've never watched it. Yeah, you know, he it's kills, like, I
1: saw a couple episodes of yeah. it. He kills people who are bad people right. or
0: murderers or whatnot. Yeah, so it's kind of justified. I'm using air quotes, everybody, when I say that. But um, it was a very fun kind of romp. I mean, there was a an arc of the story that was all about the Sikh culture. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And some backstory with the Indian India Trading Company and... The, the story got very complicated for me, and my brain does not work very well with layers of complexity, <laughs> particularly around names and It was funny because this was a read for my bicoastal book club, and we mm-hmm. met this last weekend, and many people said the same thing, which made me feel a lot better, and they also said that wasn't important. You know, okay, and that I guess I I haven't read much Victorian literature, but I guess that's kind of some of it was kind of the way that Victorian literature is, and that part isn't as important really. It's just kind of like background noise, yeah, to and, just, yeah and just kind of get go the with sense it. sense of the
1: time and place, yeah, is, okay. exactly.
0: Yeah, and then there's also kind of the the whole part about Victorian love stories to me, where the you know unlike today, kind of it's like people leave a little bit to the imagination and there can be these very kind of tense feelings of love, but it's unrequited love and it's, you know, he removed the glove from his hand and you're kind of like hot and bothered, you know, and there's not much happening, but it feels like there is. Mm -hmm. So there's also an arc of the story that's around that, which is really fun and um, I don't want to describe the plot too much because I don't want to do any spoilers. It's definitely a book that You know, I could give spoilers away and I don't want to do that. But Mm -hmm. if you're looking for kind of a very different, fun romp, I think that you might, you know, pick this up and and read about it a little bit and see if you would enjoy it because it was definitely out of my wheelhouse and I would have never picked this up. And I will say also, I have never read Jane Eyre. Mm -hmm. And I think two or three people in my book club had read Jane Eyre, but they said it wasn't necessary to be able to understand the story. Okay, So... And none of them liked Jane Eyre either. I might have. They not. didn't. I did you? My intake of breath. Did you hear that? Oh. I'm sorry, Chris. I'm sorry to offend. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Jane Steele with that's with an e at the end by Lindsay Fay.
1: Nice. So <laughs> Well, I I didn't read another book, but I did watch Smilla's Sense of Snow. Ah, very good. Which I enjoyed very much. I did. I got an interlibrary loan from the library, and it was 1997 julia armand right. is a woman who yeah. starred as smilla and there are a whole slew of other really famous people in the movie and it was gorgeous it was a beautiful movie it was actually shot in copenhagen and on green in greenland and it was the first major film shot there prior to that filmmakers didn't want to take a chance really of, of going there because the weather conditions change so rapidly and it's just a brutal environment there's a little uh, the making of kind of thing. Oh, cool. And they were showing how, like, the temperature was, like, 5 degrees, and then, you know, within, I don't know what time, an hour or something, it's minus 40. And the batteries for the cameras really couldn't take that. So they showed pictures of, like, cameramen wrapping the cameras in blankets to try and keep the batteries warm enough to function. Wow. So really intense climate, but... the the shots they got were just gorgeous.
0: Mm. really beautiful. That's yeah. a place I'd actually like to go. Me like too. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. is so cool. So, it
1: was a good film and I read uh Roger Ebert's review of it and he he liked it for the atmosphere and I I don't remember the exact quote but he basically said something like, you know, you can make a really crappy movie but people will like it if it has good atmosphere. Oh, interesting. And he said that the last half hour of the movie is completely unbelievable. And it's a complex book. Like, it's a chunkster of a book. And I was wondering how they were going to condense all of that into a short film. And whoever did do the screenplay, I thought did a great job of maintaining the integrity of the book and trying to wrap up (laughs) the mystery. Let me, I just misspoke. The mystery isn't necessarily wrapped up one of the aspects of the action is at the end. And so it was interesting to see how that happened. Oh, cool. So. I'm
0: glad you liked it because lots of times, you know, when you've enjoyed a book, you don't necessarily like the movie. Exactly.
1: Yeah. But no, mm. I did. I, I mean, the, ha, seeing the, the landscape is really wonderful and there's great shots of the city of Copenhagen, you know, mm. over the rooftops and things. The only thing I have to say is Julia Armand. She's so sweet. She's just such a pretty sweet, beautiful woman that it was hard to maintain the idea of her being a real hard-ass, kind of sharp-edged person because she's just so cute and pretty with her (laughs) nice little, you know, chin-length hair. Yeah, Yeah, so she had her moments. I I enjoy her as an Mm -hmm. actor, so... Yeah, that was Mila Census now. 1997, I don't know if I said the date. So cool.
0: yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like I said, I have this r- kind of vague memory of that movie, but that was when I was fully engaged with young kids. Mm-hmm. My kids were born in 91 and 94, so I think anything that I saw or read during that time yeah. period was a bit of a blur, but I definitely remember some of the scenes from it, you yeah. know, because so, they were very breathtaking. Mm-hmm. I remember that part, yeah. so... Cool. Absolutely. Well I read one other book that was kind of like a one day read and it's I'm, I'm really working on tackling some of my piles of books you know I have books squirreled away in various spots in my house so this is one I just picked up and it's called American Housewife by Helen Ellis mm-hmm. and it's a book of short stories there is a television show called American Housewife and oh, I man. don't I didn't get the time to look I don't think they have anything to do with each other Okay, um, but it's She's very irreverent, very funny. The stories, some of them are told in, some of them are very short, like two pages. One of them is told all in an email exchange that is hilarious between neighbors that live. Like, I pictured it to be like one of those tall high rises in New York City where the elevators open onto the floor of someone's condo, basically, you know? Mm -hmm. And this is the elevator opens and there's two shared, it's shared the entrance to two condos and the email exchange is about a tirade about redoing the foyer essentially where you step off of the elevator Mm -hmm. and it is so funny. I mean, I really enjoyed it. There were some stories that I thought totally missed the mark. And when I read a review of the book, that was people loved some of the stories and didn't like some of the stories. And Mm -hmm. I felt exactly the same way. Um, And I have this kind of, what I consider maybe a bad habit of reading books of short stories like a novel where I pick it up from page one and yeah just feel the need to, mm-hmm. you know, read it all the way through. That's how I am too. Yeah. I guess I don't know if that's trained in yeah. us to
1: read the book that way and
0: Yeah, it just feels just, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, maybe I would have enjoyed some of them had I stepped away from the book for a few days and come back and read one. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. But um but again it was a very quick read funny i seem to be on a little bit of a jag of reading funny books and that's good yeah it's a a nice time of year (laughs) to do that american housewife by helen ellis biblio
1: adventures we actually managed to squeak in two Biblio Adventures Together. We did. Since the last episode. That was yeah. nice.
0: Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah. Which one do you want to talk about first? Well, through chronological order, okay. we could
1: talk about Min Jin Lee at R.J. Julia in Madison. We had a fabulous time. Men um, had asked us to have an in-conversation event with her there. And Just the Right Book podcast agreed to come and record it. So you can look for our conversation in an upcoming episode of Just the Right Book Podcast, which is hosted by Roxanne Cody, who owns R.J. Julia. Right. I know we we toss these things around like everybody knows because everybody right. In right. Connecticut <laughs> in the book world know, but not so much
0: right. um, outside folks. So
1: yeah, yeah. So I, we had a wonderful time.
0: Right, and for I guess we should say Min Jin Lee is the author of Pachinko, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is a book we both really loved and um, was one of our first joint jaunts we did together yeah. i think as book cougars we yes. had been doing joint jaunts but i think it was after we decided to start the podcast and started to do joint jaunts yeah
1: i remember she, we took it to new york and both so we were both reading it on the train yeah. going and coming back and then we saw her at the savoy bookstore
0: up in rhode island yeah and she's just charming she's brilliant She's funny. funny. Yes. It was a really good time. And we don't know when the episode's going to air, but we will, you know, let you know on a future episode and through social media yeah. when we find out. When
1: that will be. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it was great. Yeah. Great experience. And if you haven't read Pachinko yet, I think this is one, it's safe to say, believe the hype Yeah. on it. My only advice would be to don't try and squeeze it in as a quick read because it's not a quick read. It is a big book. And I think it's a book that deserves attention and mm-hmm. kind of a relaxed reading pace, even though it is also a page turn in a lot of ways, because you get invested in the characters and you want to know what happens. So I think okay. in that way, but I don't think it's a quick read
0: for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, there's something about the way that Min writes that, you like, you can't skim this book. You're mm-hmm. going to want to read every word. yeah. Well,
1: you know, she talks about how her wheelhouse is 19th century literature, Mm -hmm. and that she wanted to write a 19th century-like novel with American prose. Right. So it's beautiful prose, it's very clean prose, but it does have this epic sense of time and detail that's just a pleasure to read. Yeah. And you really, I really felt, anyway, like I learned history, I learned about cultures yeah and I fell in love with the characters, it's yeah, just a yeah. beautiful book
0: and the she's out on her paperback tour now, yes. so it's available both in hardcover and paperback, yeah, whenever you're reading pleasure
1: and so check out her website because she has tons of events still yeah. going on, so yeah. she's a she's a
0: road warrior for sure. she travels, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we saw Patrick Lynch right? Yes, Patrick Lynch. No. Who,
1: oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say, who, um, he's written a bunch of field guides, nature field guides, and his latest release is A Field Guide to Long Island Sound. He's also written a book on website building, oh. like visual standards,
0: oh, that's that cool. I
1: guess is in multiple editions, and really kind of a standard reference book in the field. Hmm. So, but he's a, he's a birder.
0: He's really into nature and he's a gorgeous illustrator. He's an illustrator, photographer. Mm -hmm. He talked about how over the course of his, I think, 40 year career, illustrating went from, you know, he used to use watercolors and things like that. And now most of it's in Photoshop, Photoshop Yeah. and how wonderful that is for him. I mean, he showed, as he was telling us all this, he's got a slide of an owl, I believe it was right up behind him. Yeah. And he said this took a week and a half mm-hmm. of you know full time drawing right. on the on, within Photoshop, and it was spectacular. Yeah, you
1: and, you couldn't really tell. I mean, I'm yeah. not a
0: professional, yeah. but
1: it looked like a photograph. A photograph, yeah. or, but it was actually an illustration. Right. And I'm sure his watercolors were just as beautiful. One thing I really was curious about, and he said that it's faster on Photoshop because you don't have to worry about making mistakes. Right. You know, he said, a painting like this, you know, you're working, it's faster in the beginning as you're working and working, and then as you get towards the end, a painter really slows down because you have to be very careful not to make any mistakes. And he's like, in Photoshop, you just hit undo. If you make a mistake, <laughs> and you can keep going. He right. said, so the work experience is much more consistent from beginning to end than it was working with, paintbrushes right which was I thought fascinating to know as somebody who has no experience in that field at all
0: as I like to say I can't even paint a stick figure so
1: (laughs) (laughs) art is not my forte yeah but it's a beautiful book it's um it's a small it's a guide you know like Mm. a field guide so it's that size that you could put in like a cargo pocket or something and it's through Yale
0: University Press if you want to check it out And I think he said he has one on the Outer Banks. He's just about Mm -hmm. to come out, I think, in the spring with one about Cape Cod. Mm -hmm. And I think he has numerous guides. And I'll tell you, this is, it's kind of a page turner, which I know is a funny thing to say about a guide, but I just love it. Every page is more interesting than the next. Yes. I could have listened to him. I think he spoke for about an hour and 15 minutes. I could have kept listening to him. Yeah. He, what I really appreciated is he talked about the beauty of the sound, how unusual it is because of the salt marshes we have. Mm-hmm. But he also wasn't alarmist about global warming, which yeah. I really appreciated. I mean, he just talked about the facts of it and how nature adapts <laughs> to global warming. And I liked that. I mean, it's not like we don't know that it's, the landscape where we live is going to change. Right. But he just was talking about the facts of what that's going to look like and how it's going to impact bird life and things like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And he actually talked about how things have improved over the decades and how, probably the most, in terms of pollution anyway, the most polluted things had been, were right after World War II. So the 40s and 50s when everybody was dumping everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't mention Rachel Carson, but, you know, I know her book was instrumental in helping to change that right. with the waterways. And now there's so many birds coming back that you didn't used to see. And now they're just, you know, it's, we're part of their migratory cycle right. again, which is Now great. you pull
0: up at my house and you see bald <laughs> eagles mating. <laughs> no, it yeah. was a great evening. He had a slideshow through his whole talk, and his slides were spectacular. And um, Yeah, he was at yeah. the, um,
1: the Canoe
0: Brook Senior Center, which is in
1: Branford, the next town over. And it was a full house. Yeah. I I know the picture I I posted. (laughs) I said, you know, he had a full house, no, you know, standing room only, but then right behind him was a row of empty chairs. (laughs) I didn't notice that. I thought that. that was funny. Nobody made a snarky comment, um, but those were like facing the audience. But anyway, I just oh, thought right. that it was funny. That's but it was like standing room only. Yeah, they were they kept bringing out more chairs yeah. until they ran out of chairs, and then people stood around because he was such an engaging lecturer presenter. I'm not yeah. sure what the right word is, but well,
0: they um, built it as a lecture. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, it was great. So I also had two other biblio adventures. All right, one was um, so where we live. Just for listeners who don't know, we have I-Ninety five, which is a major thoroughfare, you know, from well, it goes really far, but around here I think of it New York City, all the way up to Maine, you know. Mm-hmm. But then we have Route One, which is which parallels ninety five, but is more of what I refer to as like the Sunday drive yeah. road. So Jim and I went out a couple Sundays ago, ironically, and we had a goal in mind to get to Old Saybrook, which is several towns over from here. And we got to Westbrook, and we're driving along, and he said, oh, that's his bookstore. And I was like, I don't know what he's talking about. I hadn't seen it, but we passed it, and he said, I'm going to turn around. And I said, okay, you know. So he turns around, and sure enough, there's this bookstore called Burgundy Books. Bur- yeah, you know it. I know it. I know they moved. They used to okay. be in a different
1: location in Altamont. I have yet to be there, but I've yes, I've heard of it.
0: Well, it's part of this Westbrook. Res- Edge no Waters Edge Resort and Spa in Westbrook which I didn't realize because it's kind of in this little building right when you pull onto the property right off of Route 1 and we walked in and the first thing that the person working in the bookstore said to us is oh are you staying here and I didn't know what they were talking about so I just said no (laughs) but I mean I didn't think that meant like you're not allowed to shop here but it's a very odd oddly laid out space because you walk in it's beautiful and they have an incredible selection but it's like books on the first floor all these different works of fiction and then you go upstairs and there's this little kind of makeshift coffee bar hmm. and then they have non-fiction but then there's rooms upon rooms that you can walk to that have children's books and cookbooks oh, and stuff oh. so it's really spread out almost like wandering through a house. Oh, that's great. Yeah, Yeah. I love bookstores like that. But I did have a funny moment there, because I... People might not know this. I think Chris knows this, but I... Look at everything kind of like it through the lens of an SNL sketch, Saturday Night Live sketch. <laughs> Not sketch, sketch, sketch. I, I was and talking the, about sketching earlier. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so I needed, as <laughs> this seems to be a the theme on the podcast, I got to the bookstore and I needed to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and so I said to the, the kid, he was a kid who was running it, I said, Do you have a restroom? And he said, Yes. Go outside the door, go to the elevator. And push the button for number two. (laughs) Thank you for laughing. Because I looked at Jim and I was like, he just told me directions to the bathroom. And he told me to push number two. Like, don't you think that's hilarious? And Jim's like, no, nothing. Nothing. I'm looking at him like trying. Because the funniest part is he says, you know push the button for number two, and then he goes on for five more minutes to tell me, like, take a left turn, take a right turn, take you know, spin in a circle, and then go up, go down. I mean, when people give me more than three sets of directions, I'm kind of done, yeah. but I couldn't listen to anything he said because all I could think was he told me to push number two. <laughs> uh, that was
1: funny. Anyway. Well, I got
0: that. Thank you. Because yeah. I thought it was hilarious, and I told Jim later, and he was like, I didn't even hear him say anything like in other words he was lost in the books at that yeah. point so yeah and he bought a copy of david foster wallace's infinite just okay. for his son for his birthday which i think is a great gift um i, I commend read anyone it. who can read it yeah you know, but I, and people who read it i think feel a great sense of accomplishment and also like they've they're in a special club because I like don't think,
1: Yeah, or, yeah.
0: Or Moby Dick, maybe. Although that one's probably yeah, a little Moby bit Dick more is popular good literature. Yeah. Oh <laughs> snap! <laughs> uh oh, I think we're gonna get a little feedback on that one. I'm thinking particularly of Jana, who loved Infinite Just, I think. But um, I yeah, I'm just talking
1: it, talking it. <laughs> <laughs> number two
0: (laughs) i don't don't know i haven't read it i haven't either but people talk about there being like an alternative world or he comes up with names for things i don't know isn't he
1: like a postal worker david foster wallace no No. the character
0: oh i have no idea okay i don't know anything about it other than it's over a thousand pages (laughs) (laughs) it's a doorstop yeah but um oh my Chris is having Chris is talking smack. <laughs> you know, like when you bring up all we Duck, you know the gloves come off. That's all I got to say. <laughs> oh my! Well, the other adventure I had. So anyway, we had a great time. It's yeah. a cool bookstore. Oh, it's good. totally in a random place. I would have never known. Mm-hmm. Which is always fun to come across something. You yeah, know, out so when cool. you're out for Sunday so cool. It's so good that
1: there's a sign somewhere.
0: Yeah, because yeah. I
1: it used to be in this little storefront, right across I think or near the the old Westbrook library Mm. which is now the historical center and i was there at a stoplight one time and i turned to the right and i was like oh a bookstore and then before i could get there they moved to a the new location so i'm glad to hear it's good i want to go yeah
0: i would definitely go with you i mean i you could really shop for a while just because the way they spread it out it was there was a lot to look at that's great to hear Yeah. yeah good And then we also went for the holidays. I bought my Gentleman Caller tickets to see a Speak Up event, which are the events that um, Matthew and Alicia Dix have a company called Speak Up Storytelling. And it was a really fun night. It was at the Infinity Hall in um, Hartford, which you and I went to, which was the infamous... Oh, where we We, lost the car. We lost the car in a parking lot. And I saw, I had just told Jim that story. And I told him about, you know, our knight in shining armor, the security guard, who was so kind. He was like, have you looked at the name of the parking lot on your ticket? Oh. (laughs) Um, And there he was when we were there. And I was so desperately wanted to go up to him and say, thank you. You know, you were so kind. But I just, I didn't. But, um. But there were really fun storytellers, and two of the women have um cool podcasts which I haven't had the chance to listen to. I looked mm-hmm. at them, and I think what they talk about is really fun so one of the women is named her name is Renata Sankin, and her job she's a teen services librarian, which I think oh. would be a cool job. And um, she is the co-host of a podcast called Worst Bestsellers, <laughs> and she says that's where we read books, so you don't have to. Yes, yes.
1: I listened recently to their episode on uh, John Gray's "Men Are from Mars, Women Are from Venus," and they, law, they just really give it a good go, like because it's. I know it's very
0: popular. Yeah.
1: And it still is, mm-hmm. you know, but they kind of rip on him and they rip on the book. So, anyway, I'm oh. interrupting. But no, I'm
0: <laughs> glad you listened because I'm dying to listen to her. Her story <laughs> was so funny. She is very funny and she has that very sarcastic kind of dry delivery. So, mm-hmm. I wonder, if, I mean, the podcast has to be like that. Yeah, it's, it was a really funny episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I enjoyed it. And then the other woman's name is Robin Geffelbein. And she, um, has a podcast called Yum's the Word. hmm She makes ice cream cakes. And then she talks about, um, she, so homemade ice cream takes, cakes, and she has guests on, and they talk about food and such. Nice. And tell stories. And I think she even has famous people on there. I don't know. Oh. So, um, and then Matthew told a story. He always tells a story, and Alicia is the host, and she's very funny, and... Introduces people in a really nice way, so it was a really fun evening out, and um, made me want to go try to get into New York and see a Moth Story Slam because mm-hmm. I've never done it. Yeah. but I think they sell out like as soon as they post the dates. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and they have them in Boston too, so I mm-hmm. could look there. But anyway, that was a really fun evening. Very cool. Yeah. And how did Jim like it? He loved it because
1: that was his first experience.
0: No, what we the? went, one of the first times we ever, like, went out together was to um, Infinity Hall Norfolk.
1: Oh, right. And yes. we saw yeah. a speak-up
0: event there, and he really likes it. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And um, we both were talking about if we ever thought we could get up on stage and tell a story, because there's such mm-hmm. a skill in how you deliver it. Mm-hmm. And I know Laura's taken mm-hmm. storytelling yeah, class. And right? in, in Chicago, they,
1: they call it Live Lit. So she was involved in the live lit scene in Chicago. And um, then coming here, they don't really have that. And Mm -hmm. I think it's starting to creep in maybe in New Haven. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so she's actually, she's taken classes and done stuff with Matthew Dix here in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Because he teaches classes. Right. And and he's a good teacher. He teaches grade school for a living. So if he can teach... You know, what is he, second or fourth? I think grade? he's like fourth or fifth. Okay, yeah. so if he could teach that crowd. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: But I think I, it'd be I, cool.
0: I do, too. I just don't know if I have, you know, other than I go to a bookstore and someone tells me to punch number two on the elevator, yeah. I don't know exactly. that I have any funny yeah. stories to tell. Let me but.
1: back up and say, I think it'd be cool to take the class. I yeah. can't imagine getting on stage <laughs> exactly. in front of, and telling a story. Like, I've given lectures,
0: mm. but that's
1: one thing. But to tell yeah. a story, I, I just think that would be really intense. I think I I can, admire people
0: who can do it. Oh, I so admire. I mean, I feel like I could write one, well, no. I don't really feel like I could do that. But I feel like I could read one, like, have a piece of paper in front of me and read it. But it's also the fact that they're up there with it all, you know, in their memory. Mm -hmm. And they're just telling the story from memory. Yeah. I'm impressed with anybody whose brain works that way. Well, and the good, the
1: the good. I mean, the skilled storytellers can read the room and adjust Mm -hmm. the story as necessary. Which, to me, that's mind-blowing, too. To have that comfort in front of an audience to know... Speaking of which, I watched um, The Wonderful Mrs. Maisel. Oh, I'm dying to see Which is about that. a woman yeah. storyteller in ah. 1950s New York. Ah. It's a fabulous show. And that's on Netflix, is I that don't right? remember if it's Netflix or Amazon. I think it's Amazon. Amazon,
0: okay. I think. Yeah. yeah. I've been seeing previews for it. Yeah. And yeah, I would like yeah. to see it. I'm glad to get your review. Yeah, I really liked I hadn't heard of it at all. And Laura said one
1: weekend, Do you want to watch this? I was like, mm. Sure. And like, we blew through that first season really yeah oh
0: cool good yeah sorry oh that's okay no that's all my do you have any upcoming jobs
1: i do i have uh possibly this is on my radar anyway february 11th up in jaffrey new hampshire there's going to be a willa cather musical No way. Yeah, so Jaffrey is... Cather spent a lot of time riding up there, and she's also buried up in Jaffrey. And this Cather musical is called Kindness and Cruelty, Willa Cather and Jaffrey. And it's set in the hotel room where she used to stay at the inn.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Um, So I'm really curious about that. Laura and I are hoping to go. We don't know if we'll be able to. It's a Sunday, I believe the show time is at something like 5 p.m. maybe, 4 or something. It's um, Information is on the Jaffrey Chamber website, and we'll put that in the show notes. But I think it'd be fun. Yeah. I think it'd be really
0: neat to see a musical about Willa Cather. I, I bet you do. It's like... <laughs> I think that's awesome. Yeah, two of my favorite <laughs> yeah, things. Yeah, I think that's so cool that they made it into a musical.
1: Yeah, well, it's some kind of bio-musical. You know. There's a lot of things going on with Willa Cather. It's really fascinating because for, for years now I've had a Google alert on my email so anytime Willa Cather's mentioned I get an alert mm-hmm. and a link to the article. And when I first started doing that every now and then one would come through and now I get multiple hits every day. What do you in. think it
0: is? Why?
1: I just think her reputation is growing. I think the, the Willa Cather Foundation's becoming, um, you know, they really did a, a major overhaul this last year and got tremendous funding. I think that becoming more of a national resource has really helped. And then I think in classes, she's taught a lot more in schools. You know, literary reputations are made so often by the academic world, and what professors choose to read and not to read mm-hmm. really sets up a writer's reputation or decline for the next couple decades. And I think Cather came about at a time that was really confusing. I should say the study of Cather in literature classes in the, fe- in the seventies, the feminists wanted to claim her, mm. but she never really like labeled herself a feminist She's also uh, a lesbian, which was kind of challenging for people to embrace back then. So I think her reputation took some hits because Mm. people wanted to pigeonhole her, and she wasn't very easy to pigeonhole. And her writing is so beautiful that I think it was dismissed as being simplistic Mm. for Mm. the longest time, and now I think people can actually appreciate it more. Right. Um, So... That's some of the reasons, I think, off Mm -hmm. the top of my head anyway. Mm -hmm. There's a book that came out in the 90s. um, Joan Acella. I I can't remember the author's name, but it was called The Politics of Criticism. I I can picture the book. I'm not sure if that's the exact title. But she talks about how Cather has been used by different schools of literary theory and political agenda over the years, hmm. and not so much looked at for her writing.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so that was a really interesting book. I will look it up, everybody, and put it in the show notes, Yeah. so if you are interested.
1: Yeah, so anyway, and there's yeah. been opera, hmm. there have been stage performances, adaptations. Um, cool. I, I just think, like, the the further you get away from uh, the restrictions on her will, hmm. with, like, the letters coming out yeah. and adaptations being more popular, I think when you have that variety of different mediums to talk about a writer and present their works, I think it just exposes more people to that writer. Yeah. So, cool.
0: yeah. Nice. Well, good. I look forward to I hope you can make it. Oh, I hope so, too. I have um, on Sunday, February 18th at the Willoughby Wallace Memorial Library in Stony Creek. Amy Bloom is going to be there. Oh, cool. Ironically, she lives across the street from <laughs> yes. that library. Um, but she has a new book coming out called White Houses, oh, cool. which sounds really interesting. It's like a historical piece of historical fiction. And, you know, she has multiple books, and she's a local author, and I just feel really remiss mm-hmm. in not having read her. So I'm going to make an effort. When um, is that? It's Sunday, February 18th, and I was going to ask you if you want me to sign you up.
1: I would love to go if I can go it's at yeah yeah that would be great because okay. I really want to read her more too I've only read just the short story in the New Haven Noir that oh, right. she edited you know yeah and I, I definitely want to read more
0: okay yeah, yeah I'll just register great. us both in okay, the hopes cool. that you can go thank you and um, this weekend which will have passed by the time this goes live I'm going into the city tomorrow to go visit Aunt Ellen and we're going to go see Eve Ensler's new show mm. in the body of the world Eve Ensler is the author of The Vagina Monologues, mm-hmm. and In the Body of the World was a memoir she wrote about um, her experience with either ovarian or uterine cancer, I'm not sure which. Mm. I'll be able to report back on that at the next episode That's after great. I see the play. But we've seen, Ellen and I saw another play of hers, which the name is escaping me, but it wasn't The Vagina Monologues. Mm-hmm. That was another one-woman show by her that was fantastic, so... Mm. This is her doing another one-woman show well, in fantastic. the body of the world.
1: Cool. Yeah. Well, say hi to Aunt Ellen for me, too. I will. I will. <laughs> hi, Aunt Ellen. I guess I could say hi myself. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Have you got any cool. upcoming reads?
1: Yes. I'm going to be reading Octavia Butler's Kindred. Oh, nice. I was so excited. Um, I, we've talked before in a past episode, I believe, about the Witness Stones Project here did we talk about that i don't that think we government? did i
0: think you said you wanted to talk about it oh, maybe you mentioned maybe. it i, I don't remember. know yeah. yeah
1: so the witness stones it's a in germany i forget which city i'm not sure if it's berlin but there is a project there where they have these stones embedded in the ground where a person who was jewish was taken away during the nazi regime and it's commemorating that person and the atrocities that happened. And so the Witness Stones project is doing a similar thing here in Guilford and with their full support, where they're putting um, these brass, beautiful brass square stones, you know, embedded into the ground in front of houses or locations where enslaved people lived mm. here in Connecticut. Mm. And because that's not something a lot of people know, that, you know, slavery wasn't just the South. It was, mm-hmm. you know, in the North, too and so the witness stones project started last year they had their first stones put out and they now are starting a book club they're launching a community book club and their first read is going to be octavia butler's kindred which i've wanted to read and so when i saw that i thought okay i'm doing it so i yeah. already ordered my copy and i read I it last to that. year
0: and i really liked it yeah. yeah
1: so that's february 21st 7 p.m at the guilford free library if anybody who's local and would like to attend. And the um, facilitators of that book group will be Hazel Carby and Donna Daniels. And Hazel Carby, when I first saw that name, I thought, I know that name. Like, where do I know that name? And I looked her up, and she's actually the author of a book that was part of my graduate school studies, Reconstructing Womanhood, The Emergence of the Afro-American Woman Novelist. And that came out in 1987. And it was a pretty influential book. And she's a professor at Yale now. And uh, Donna Daniels is a PhD. She's an anthropologist working in consulting, I believe. And she's a Guilford person as wow. well. So I'm really looking forward to that conversation and to see what they have in mind for the book club. Mm-hmm. I guess at this first meeting, they'll have a discussion, too, about how often
0: people would like to meet and what they'd like to read going forward. That's great. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's cool that they chose Kindred Mm -hmm. because it's a very accessible book. You know. Yeah. And um, I think it's just a good launching off point Mm -hmm. for a book club. Absolutely. Yeah, and I and I also think it's a great. It's one that I think would. You know how there are certain books that for a book club you know like people are going to have a lot to talk about. Yeah, that's great to hear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah.
1: I forgot that you had read it. Yeah, but now I'm remembering.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I think. I think it was Russell from Ink and Paper Blog who said, go get it. Okay. Get it tomorrow. And when Russell says that, he's usually right. So, yeah. (laughs) So, how about you? I have The White Houses by Amy Bloom Mm -hmm. um, that I just talked about as my upcoming read. Um, And I think that's it.
1: You know what? I wanted to back up and talk about Booktopia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. because uh, the, today is, what is today, February 2nd, and the big announcement was just made right. about who the authors will be that are attending Booktopia. And again, for those of you that, who, if this is your first episode listening, um, at, Emily and I actually met as a result of Booktopia, which was an event that was started by Michael Kindness and Ann Kingman of Books on the Nightstand podcast in partnership with the North Trier Bookstore up in Vermont. And uh, even though Books on the Nightstand has retired, the bookstore is still continuing on with the uh, annual Booktopia event where authors and readers come together for a weekend of conversation. And they usually have, like, what, eight authors or so? Um, So just to give you a quick rundown uh, of who's going to be there this year, the dates are May 4th and 5th. It's going to be Stephen Kiernan is doing, like, an opening presentation. Uh, Stephen Yarborough. The Unmade World is his latest. Ariel Lohan. I was Anastasia. She's the co-founder of shereads.org, which is an online resource for women writers and readers.
0: And I saw her, at, I believe, at
1: Booktopia Asheville, and she's great. Oh, cool. Yeah. Chloe Benjamin's going to be there. She's the author of The Immortalist, which we've both talked about on this uh, podcast. Heather Abel, the op... The Optimistic Decade is her new book. Pamela Paul, My Life with Bob, it's her new book. She's written several books, and if that name rings a bell, she is the editor of the New York Times Book Review and also the host of Inside the New York Times Book Review, their weekly podcast. Peter Swanson is going to be in conversation with Eric Rickstad. I know one of them is a mystery author. I'm not familiar with, with either gentleman there. Robin Oliviera, can't read my handwritings, <laughs> this is uh, Winter Sisters, is her novel, and it's a historical novel about the disappearance of two young girls after a blizzard, which ooh. I thought, ooh, that sounds like it could be up my alley. Yeah. And then Stephen Macaulay, My Ex-Life, is his new book. I kind of so. like the idea of that one, I don't know what it's about, but I love the title. My Ex-Life, I think it's a, a collection of essays, okay. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, So that is nine authors right there, and I think one more. They're waiting for the confirmation of one more author for that weekend. So if you're interested, we'll put the link in the show notes. If you don't like show notes, just go to the Northshire Bookstore's website and look at their current events, and you'll see information there.
0: Right, because you have to register. There is a charge for it. Um, There's also – it's just a fun town to spend a weekend in, and there's great shopping. There's – really cool places to stay, good restaurants. Yeah. The Northshire Bookstore, you could spend the weekend in without having any other things to do. Yeah, <laughs> I and mean, it's a fantastic bookstore. bookstore. Yeah. So check it out.
1: Yeah. And that's in Manchester, Vermont. So right. wonderful. Wonderful place.
0: And then the other thing I, I think we probably should mention is about our Maurice Read Along yes. Oh, Maurice Read Along. And a friend of mine not that we didn't believe Ryan, who's the <laughs> one that told us originally that it's really pronounced Morris, but a friend started the audiobook and said, indeed, it's Morris. Oh, so right. I think we should maybe just start, start calling, calling it Morris. Morris. Even though I look at it, I'm like, it's Maurice. But Morris, read along, which we're going to discuss um, on March 2nd for the March 6th episode. So if you have questions or comments, if you could get those to us by March 1st. I did start um, a read-along topic on our Goodreads great. group, so feel free to go there. Um, you can also reach us through at bookcougars at gmail.com and many other social media yes. platforms, yeah. as the fancy people say. <laughs> platforms? <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs>
0: well, great. Yeah, yeah,
1: please let us know what you think, because we, we like to incorporate readers' questions and comments. Yeah.
0: So, all right. All right. Happy reading,
1: everybody. Happy reading. Thanks so much for listening to The Book Cougars with Emily Fine and Chris Wallach. If you have questions or comments, please feel free to email us at bookcougars at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Book Cougars. Please consider leaving us a review on whatever app you use to listen to us. It can help other listeners find us. Thank you.